0: You are online. Thank you for being a part of this service. I just know God's going to move in a special way. There's certain, uh, certain weekends when I preach that God just stirs my heart. And, and um, this is one of those weekends that the Lord just has put this message together in such a beautiful way. I, put it, I posted it on my social media account And I can't tell you how many people commented about this weekend's message. So I hope you came expecting God to move. I hope you're watching online expecting God to move. Uh, What you just saw right now was a a snapshot uh, of our amphitheater worship services. We do, we call it Thorn Creek Summer Concert Nights. And we've been doing it uh, one summer night, one Friday every month since the month of May. And this coming Friday, and that's August 6, we are doing it. So if you have not attended, will you attend this one? We're hoping that everyone shows up. And here's what I want you to do. You can pull out your phones and put this on your calendar because you're going to forget. If you're in town and you watch online and you're in town, you're invited to this as well. But at 5.30 p.m., we are going to be serving hamburgers, and dogs, and all the fixings that go with it. So we're, we're going to go all out, and we hope to have dinner with you at 5.30 p.m., so show up at 5.30, or we're going to be stuck with like 400 or 600 hamburgers. So please show up and uh, be a part of it, show up early, bring a friend, and uh, the concert starts at 6.30 p.m., but the food starts at 5.30 p.m., so please be a part of it, all right? Uh, Lord, we humble ourselves before you. Have your way, God, in this, in this message. I know you, uh, you want me to preach this message. I, I get that now, Lord. And um, I want to do a good job for you. So I'm trusting in your Holy Spirit. You guide me on this transcript, Lord. And I don't want anyone else to be my transcript, but your Holy Spirit. We need you so bad, Jesus. We desperately need you. We need you more than we realize we need you. So would you work in every home, work in every heart, Um, touch those who need healing, Lord? I'm thinking about Roxy right now, who's in ICU. Would you touch her, God? Would you continue to improve her levels and give her strength and uh, breath? And would you just continue to to heal her, God? I pray for all those who might need healing, Lord. I pray for that. And uh, even emotional healing. I pray for those who are watching online. Would you stir their hearts, God? Use this video and grab a hold of their hearts, God. I pray they meet you in a very personal, life-changing way. Um, Holy Spirit, have your way in me and through me. Use me, God, for your glory. This is your church, Jesus. You're the CEO and head of it, and I just want to be a faithful messenger for you. Um, Thank you, Lord. It's in your name, Jesus. We pray Amen. Amen. If you're online, you can type in amen in the chat there and let us know. You know, uh, a few years, not a few years ago, I want to be careful how I say this. I'm going to be sharing a few stories and I'm going to intentionally leave names out. So there was this guy named Guido who used to attend Thorn Creek. Not a great name. And Guido, um, one day, uh, this was a Uh, this was when we were meeting in the schools. I'm trying to be as vague as possible. We were meeting in the schools, and uh, I was uh, outside talking to Guido. (laughs) And uh, while I was talking to Guido, I was going to be preaching the second message on Sunday, which would have been the 11 o'clock service. So it was right around, like literally the service had started already, and the worship was going and Guido and I, I just wanted to say hello because he was outside and, and I it was out you know, I was just wanted to say hello to him. And I've been working with Guido for a long time. I've been I prayed with him, we've ministered to him and we've ministered to his family. And I mean Guido has wept with me, and I have wept with him and I care about him deeply. And but while I'm talking to him outside, Guido says, Hey Pastor, I gotta tell you something. I gotta tell you something you're getting fat. You're, get, you're gaining some weight. He, he said, then he said this, somebody has to speak truth to you. And, and I was like, what, are you kidding me? I had no idea. I had no idea. And I'm like, and I'm thinking, I'm about to go on the stage in front of lights and I'm about to preach and, and, and he just tells me this, and he's like, you just need to know. That's so what he tells me. You just need to know. And I'm just doing this because I want to speak truth into you, and I want you to be aware of this. And I didn't know what to do with that. Like, I laughed, and I said, okay, I wanted to come back and tell him he's fatter than me. I didn't know what you was know, like. I it was like, there was all these kinds of emotions I had inside. Has anyone ever said something to you at church that hurts you just a little bit? Raise your hand if you've ever been hurt at church. Raise your hand if you've ever been at hurt. If you're not raising your hand, just stick around for a little bit. Eventually, if you're online, just type in, that was me or me too or whatever. Um, everyone has been hurt in the church. We're looking at Psalm chapter 55. And if you're just joining us, we're in this series called The People's Hallelujah. And we're looking at different chapters in the book of Psalms. There's 150 chapters, and one of them, chapter 55, involves King David, and King David is hurt by someone who goes to church with him, all right? starts off here, verse 1, says this. We're really going focus, to focus on verses 12 through 14, but I want to read the entire chapter because you get a better understanding. It's good to understand the Bible in its entire context. And it's good to see a whole chapter and not just pull out, you know, a couple. So verse one, these are the words of David. Listen to my prayer. Oh God, do not ignore my, my what church, my, my cry for help. Please listen and answer me for I am overwhelmed by my, what church, by my troubles. You guys help me out, all right? Shout it out. Don't just watch me. Um, And let's read verse three out loud. My enemies shout at me, making loud and wicked threats. They bring trouble on me and angrily hunt me down. So, gives you an idea. These are, this is something that's really weighing on him. In fact, it's weighing on him so much. Verse four says, my heart pounds in my chest. The terror of death assaults me. Fear and trembling overwhelm me, and I can't stop shaking. Been there before? Oh, that I had wings like a dove. Then I would fly away and rest. Have you ever just wanted to run? I would fly far away to the quiet of the wilderness. How quickly I would escape, far from this wild storm of hatred. Confuse them, Lord, and frustrate their plans, for I see violence and conflict in the city. Its walls are patrolled day and night against invaders, but the real danger is wickedness within the city. Everything is falling apart, threats and cheating are important, are, are rampant, rampant in the streets. And then here's verse, verse 12, says this. We're going to look at 12 through 14. It is not an enemy who taunts me. I could bear that. It is not my foes who so arrogantly insult me. I could have hidden from them. Instead, it is you, my equal, my companion, and close friend. What good fellowship we once enjoyed as we walked together to the house of God. Let death stalk my enemies. Let the grave swallow them alive. For evil makes its home within me, within them. But I will call on God and the Lord will rescue me. Morning, noon, and night, I cry out in my distress and the Lord hears My voice, he ransoms me and keeps me safe from the battle waged against me, though many still oppose me. God, who has ruled forever, will hear me and humble them. For my enemies refuse to change their ways. They do not fear God. As for my companion, he betrayed his friends. He broke his promises. His words are as smooth as butter, but in his heart is war. His words are as, as, soothing, as soothing as lotion, but underneath are daggers. Give your burdens to the Lord and he will take care of you. Let's read this out loud. He will not permit the godly to slip and fall. Thank you, Lord. But you, O God, will send the wicked down to the pit of destruction. Murderers and liars will die young. But I am trusting you to save me. Oh Lord, open up our spiritual ears and eyes and give us a heart to receive your truth. And may you be glorified, Jesus, in all this. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. If you were to look at the title of this chapter right here, um, it would say maybe something like this Prayer for the Destruction of the Treacherous, for the Choir Director, a Psalm of David to be accompanied by stringed instruments. So when you look at Psalm 55, and David is talking about this guy who is a friend, a close friend. We don't know who it is. Some Bible scholars believe it could have been Absalom. That was his son who rebelled against him. And you read about that story in 2 Samuel chapters 15 through 18. So some people believe that, but it's hard to believe that because there's this little verse in Psalm 55 verse 15 that basically says, may my enemies go to hell. And you can't, I don't see David saying that about his son. So we don't know really who it is, but whoever it is, this is someone who's tight. You know, it's that person that maybe knows you. They know your name. You have shared with them some intimate things. Do you have that person in mind? You have, you have been with them, and they know you, and you guys have exchanged some, some, some very vulnerable moments, and, and you guys are friends, you FaceTime with each other or Snapchat with each other or text each other, and you do it at all times of the night or day or whatever. You have that kind of close relationship, and you just, just know them. David, his hurt is very real. It's very real. You know, have you been there before? Have you been there? I've been there before. I'm sure you've been there before where you invest in someone, and then they put a knife in your back. You know what that feels like? You're loyal to someone, and then they're unfaithful to you in return. You speak truth to someone, and they speak lies back about you. You sacrifice for someone, and they show ungratitude to you. You, you, you uh, just encourage them, and they lash out at you. You love someone, and they give you hatred in return. You do something for someone, and they step on you when they have a chance. You pray for them, and one day they ghost you, give you the cold shoulder. You know, I've been there before. I've been lied to. I've been slandered. All of those things. Have you been there before. Have you ever been betrayed so many times that you're shocked when someone doesn't walk away? Have you ever been betrayed that many times? where you, you've been betrayed so much, you expect that person to walk away. You expect them to ghost you. You expect them to be angry at you. You expect them to lash out. And when it's someone's not like that, you're like, this might be too good to be true. I don't, are you, is this, I, I don't, is this too good to be, you're going to stay here, you're going to be here, you're not going you're not going to be like all the rest? I can't believe it. Have you been there before? Have you been there before? David says this, verse 12, he says, it's not an enemy who taunts me, I could bear that. It's not my foes who so arrogantly insult me, I could have hidden from them. Instead, let's read verse 13 out loud, he says, instead, it is you, my enemy my, you guys are going to help out a little bit more than that. You guys ready? You're at church, so get ready. And verse 14, let's read verse 14. What good, oh, there you go. This is not a stranger. This is not an enemy who's just throwing insults. This is not the stranger. On I 25, who flips you off? This is not some stranger who just jumps down your throat. This is someone, he calls him my equal, my companion, my close friend, my bro, my sister, my compadre. You know what I mean? This is my, my, my boy. My girl, whatever it is. In the NASB, New American Standard Bible, it says what sweet fellowship we had together. And you know that word fellowship? You know what it means? Intimate. Intimate. You know, it's that person that you think they're always with me. I've always wanted to have a friend like this, or I've always wanted to have a relationship like this. I've always wanted to have whatever, whatever. And you think this is it. And if there's anyone that's not going to let me down, it's them. If there's ever a safe place for me to be me, it's this place. And that's where David is at. And scripture says they used to walk together to the house of God. Hmm. They sat down together at church. They used to worship together. They used to pray together. They hung out at church events and stuff, maybe even in a small group together. They talked about Yahweh together. They shared spiritual insight together. Maybe they even said, hey, would you pray for my mom or my sister? Would you pray? They prayed for each other. And they even dreamed about God's kingdom together. That's who this person is. So this isn't a stranger. This is someone who David is intimate with. Way deeper, way deeper than any other relationship. One of the most painful hurts is when it comes from the one who served God with you, dreamed with you, and walked with you. That's a painful hurt. And I've had those hurts before. Have you? Have you had those hurts? I've seen people upset for many, many reasons in the church. Someone gave a lot of money and didn't like the way it was handled, so they left the church. Someone served faithfully and became exhausted because no one else was serving and they left the church. Someone promised something and it didn't happen, and they left the church. Someone was in the hospital and nobody visited them, and they left the church. Someone didn't like the worship. They wanted more country gospel worship, or they wanted more rock band worship, or they wanted more hymns, and they didn't like what was on the stage, so they left The church. Someone's name was forgotten by the lead pastor and they were hurt and they left the church. Someone was not hugged by the lead pastor and they left the church. Someone didn't shake their hand at the church, so they left the church. Someone was treated rudely, so they left. The church. Someone didn't like the way a staff member was treated, so they left the church. Someone didn't like the words that the pastor said to them, so they left the church. These are not like make believe statements I just shared with you, these are real life experiences that I have seen. This is not pretend. These are reasons why people have left the church. Reasons why people leave the church. And why is it that, that they take it so, so, so seriously? And so why, why is it like that? I, you know, when I was in, uh, I'm going to be big again, uh, well, I used to do ministry in, in Texas. And these are the early days when Grace and I were married And um, it was a while back. I mean, we're about to hit 30 years here in December. So this was uh, the early, early days. And we were only married a a few years. I don't know where my wife's at, but I think it was just a few years at the time. And uh, there was this pastor there. I'm just gonna call him, uh, we'll just call him pastor. How about that? I'm gonna call him pastor. (laughs) I use Guido. Let's do uh, Pastor Shaquille. Let's do Pastor Shaquille. Anyway, so Pastor Shaquille, that's right. uh, He, uh, he, I I used to serve as a volunteer. You know what a volunteer means? It means I don't get any money for serving. That's what that means. And I do it because God has called me to do it. And I used to oversee this youth ministry. And this youth ministry grew like crazy. I had a full-time job and I was giving about 10 hours, sometimes as much as 20 hours every week. Not paid, like literal. I'm not exaggerating. And this this youth ministry had no teens when I showed up. Literally the first day when Grace and I showed up to do a, a, a Sunday school class for these students, there were no teens in the classroom, and they had to go drag a couple of teenagers out of the nursery and bring them over just so we wouldn't feel bad, and they, that's, what, that's what, that was the first day. You not imagine that there, Pastor Nick, and that was our first day. They brought these two teenagers, and it was like, hi, nice to meet you, nice to meet you, and you just left from serving over there, and now you're over here. Okay, let's start church. Can I, let's start a youth group, and that's how it started. Well, this youth group, by the grace of God, it just grew. It just grew. It grew 10, and then 20, and then 30, and 40, and 50. It just kept growing. It was a vibrant ministry. And every week, I would go up and show up with Pastor Shaquille, and I would talk to him about church. He knew there was a calling that God was starting to stir in my heart. So I would work nearby, and on my lunch hour, I would go and hang out with him in his office, and he shared things with me, and I shared things with him. We had fellowship. It was intimate And he was built, he was like a mentor to me and I grew so much. One day there was a camp that came around and we all caravanned in this camp. I didn't grow up going to camp. I didn't grow up growing in a youth camp. Really, one of the first camps I ever went to was I was a guest speaker at a youth camp. That was like one of the first camps I ever attended. But I, 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 showed, I was with him and we're all driving down to South Texas and we're on, I guess it was I-35, whatever it was, and we're driving down there and I'm driving a van and I got some students with me and he's in front of me with students in front of, in him and there's another, we're just all caravanning. And one of the students in my van said, I, I really need to." To go to the bathroom, Reuben. Uh, let me just say one more thing about sacrifice during these days. During these days, Grace, we were living in Austin, and Grace was driving to San Antonio on Monday to attend the University of Texas in San Antonio, and she would come back on Thursday night. You guys hear that? We wouldn't be each other for four days every week, and she, I'd see her for the first time Thursday night, and guess what we did with our time? We served God. On Friday night, we were with teens. On Saturday, we were with teens. On Sunday, we were with teens. And then she took off again on Monday. I just want to let, let that sink in just a little bit, all right? You know what I'm saying? And we had such rich time together, and God blessed it. So we were sacrificing. And now we're on this road trip on the way down to South Texas, and I got one teenager in my van saying, I really need to go to the bathroom, Ruby. Can we just stop? I need to go really bad. And during these days, we didn't have like a radio or anything like that. No cell phone, nothing like that. So I, I was like, all right, I know where we're going. I'm gonna, I mean, I know she, she's not she, She's not playing. She really needs to go to the bathroom. So there was a McDonald's and I just, I went ahead and pulled off the road and I stopped at that McDonald's. Was that good or bad, Pastor Nick? I don't know. Well, she went to the bathroom I see him, Pastor Shaquille, in the van from. He does a quick U turn and he comes back, and I can tell by the way he's driving, he's upset. You know what I mean by that? You can see how people drive and you know whether they're upset. And he go, I'm inside McDonald's, and she runs in, and while we're there, you, know, you have a couple of students here, now nah, I'm going to get something here, you know, blah, blah, you know, that whole thing. And, but he comes in and he gets in front of my face. And he says, Reuben, you know what your problem is? You're such a softie. Why do you do what these teenagers want you to do? You're not a youth leader. That's what, in front of everyone, pointed his finger at me and did that. I was shocked. And he said, I'll, I, he said you're such a softy. You do whatever these students want you to do. It, he would never know that about me. <laughs> That's what I was accused for. Well, we got back. I didn't even say anything to him. We got back in the van and we kept driving. And then I thought, well, by the time we got to camp, I thought, okay, we're done. He brings another youth leader. This was a full time pastor. He brings him over to meet me. And he, right in front of him, he goes, You won't believe what Reuben did. And he tells him, This is what Reuben did. Can you believe that? And I'm like looking at this, you know, real youth pastor. And I'm the volunteer. <laughs> About a week or two later, I never said anything. He pulls me into his office. I went to church the next week, incidentally. And he says, Reuben, please forgive me. The way I treated you, most people would have left the church. But you stayed. I was wrong the way I treated you. Would you forgive me? I've been hurt before. I know what it's like to be hurt by others. I know what it's like to be hurt by pastors. And I know what it's like to be hurt by denominational leaders. I know what it's like. And you probably, you might have a story like that. I talk to people and they tell me stories of, yep, I used to go to church. And then they tell me a story, but they got hurt and they stopped going to church. I used to do whatever, but then they tell me a story of something that happens. Nikki Gumbel said this, churches are not museums that display perfect people. They are hospitals where the wounded, hurt, injured, and broken find healing. You have to remember, the church is a hospital. The church is full of imperfect people. Turn to the person next to you and just tell them you're not perfect. Can you do that? You're not perfect. Make sure you tell them. Don't say it with joy in your face. Just tell them you're not perfect. (laughs) None of us are perfect. You have to remember. It's interesting about expectations. For those of you who are married, did you go into your marriage thinking you'd never be hurt? Is that what your expectation was? Those of you who have friends, did you go into that friendship thinking, I will never be hurt in this friendship? How about a job? Did you go into your job thinking, I will never be hurt at this job? I will never... No way. No way. You know there's going to be a time when you're going to have to work through something difficult. Why do we have different expectations at church? Why are we so taken back when it happens at church? Why is it such a shock to our spiritual system when it happens at church? Maybe it's because church is the place where we worship together It's the place where we cry out to God together. It's the place where we pray together. It's the place where we eat burgers and dogs and sauerkraut together. I mean, it's the place where we hang out. It's the place where we do life together. And maybe there's an expectation, an unrealistic expectation. Maybe we think our actions should be different. Maybe we think our words should be different. And all that is true. But I don't want you to forget we're imperfect people. We're a work in progress. All of us are battling this thing called a sinful nature. And and the more you get to know people, the more you hang out with them, you see it. Let me put it this way. Anytime you deal with people, there's a chance of getting hurt. Anytime. So what you could do is live like a hermit and not be around anyone. And you're still going to have issues with yourself. You're still going to have issues with your thoughts. You're still going to have your own battles, but anytime you deal with people, there's a chance of getting hurt. Jesus knew this. In John chapter two, he says this, because of the miraculous signs Jesus did in Jerusalem at the Passover celebration, many began to trust in him. So Jesus, the miracle maker does some things. And a lot of people are jumping on the bandwagon and saying, yeah, we're Jesus freaks too. Yeah. Verse 24, but Jesus didn't trust them. Why? Why? because he knew all about people. No one needed to tell him about, about what church? About human nature. Nobody needed to tell Jesus about the human nature, for he knew what was in each person's heart. See, Jesus, he loved. I mean, Jesus went to the cross to die for our sins. Jesus loved the one who put nails in his hands, and he loved Judas, and even washed the feet of Judas, and Jesus knew what was in the heart of every person. He knew, I could love this person, but I know their potential. Scripture says, Isaiah says, our righteousness is like filthy rags. The heart is deceitfully Wicked. Who could understand it? Jesus understood. His expectations were very healthy. He said, I'm going to love on you, but I know you can bite me. I'm going to love on you, and I'm going to love on you unconditionally, but I know who you are. And Jesus, our Amazing example, our Savior, he doesn't forget who he's dealing with. He doesn't forget everybody's working through something. The person who hurt you may not have the capacity to love unconditionally. Let me be straight with you. Sometimes people may intend to hurt you, but here's what I've discovered most of the time, most of the time, They're dealing with their own personal stuff that you don't know anything about, and you just happen to be at the wrong place, and it comes out. And that's why they may say, something. you don't know what they're dealing with at their home. You don't know what they're dealing with in their mind. You don't know what baggage they're carrying, but you just happen to kind of get in the way and step on it. Sometimes what I've discovered, people are just too touchy. They're like reading between the lines of stuff that's not even there. Have you ever seen overly sensitive people? They're just like expecting everyone is out to get them. They're expecting other people are going to talk negatively about them. And they're very much focused on their selves. Very much focused on themselves. That was not an exaggeration. We have someone who's not attending Thorn Creek today because I didn't hug them. We have people who are not attending Thorn Creek today because I forgot their name. So there are some people that are just very, very touchy, very much so. And I want to say this. It's not always, there's not, it's not always about an agenda to hurt you. Doesn't that sound silly? Why would that be the agenda? Sometimes you don't have the whole story. Sometimes you don't have the whole story. I want to help you with this. Here's a really simple thing you can do in the church. If you believe the best in others, it will save you a lot of heartache. Most people are not out to get you. Most people are just not that malicious. If you can just believe the best in others and not assume such horrible things, horrible lies. Here's what happens in this whole thing. The devil is at work. The devil is real. And his agenda is to create division. His ultimate goal is to separate you from Jesus Christ. That's his ultimate goal. And he will use anything. And hurt in churches is like T-ball for the devil. That's just easy for him. Because what happens is you show up and you're at church and somebody hurts you. For whatever reason, you weren't invited to something and it hurts your feelings. Whatever it is. And he will use that hurt. And typically, you're not expecting to be hurt in church because it's church. You're expecting to be hurt at the job. You're expecting to be hurt at the neighborhood, whatever it is. But you're not expected to be hurt. You're not expecting to be hurt by by the one who is a companion who's closer than a brother. So when it happens... There's this weird thing that happens to us. It knocks us off our spiritual balance. Psychologically, emotionally, spiritually, we weren't expecting it. And then we start thinking, what's this church all about? All these people are like this guy. They're all out to get me. And then you start wondering, well, maybe I need to leave the church. Because they're a bunch of hypocrites that's what they are. They're a bunch of hypocrites. Maybe, maybe this whole God thing is just a farce. Maybe this whole faith stuff is just preachy and it's not real. Maybe this transformation stuff is not real. Maybe I need to walk away and take a break from church. Maybe I need to take a break from God. Maybe I need to explore other faiths. Maybe Do you see what happens? And it all started with that one moment. And that's how the devil works. He makes you wonder about that friendship, about the church, about your faith, and ultimately about God. How you respond is so important. I've seen people respond in different ways when they've been hurt at church. I've seen people shut down. You know what that looks like? It's like you attend church, but you really just, you know, you just really are just keeping a seat warm. That's all you're doing. Maybe you're sitting in the middle or the back row, wherever it is, but you have no intention on serving. You've been hurt and you're part of the bitter club, bitter club. You're like, I don't want to, I don't want to do anything. I've been hurt in my last church and I don't want to be vulnerable again because when I'm vulnerable, I get hurt and I don't like pain. So I'm going to withdraw. I've seen people when they get hurt, they ghost everyone. People text them and saying, Hey, what's going on? Where are you at? nothing in return. Hey, we miss you. Just want you to know nothing in return. Hey, want to know if, about, you know, this is coming up. would like to invite you. Nothing in return. I've also seen the lengthy emails, the lengthy emails. Really, they just kind of vomit all over it and they have no, they have no desire to work things out. They just want to let you know how they feel. So they send a lengthy email emails. I have seen people not at this church by the grace of God withdraw from giving because they didn't like the music. And they said, as long as you're going to play that music, I'm not going to give to you that new capital building fund because I don't want to support it. And they stop and they hold it back. I've seen people walk away and be quiet. I've seen people do all of these things, all of these things. And I want you to hear this. So many times we leave the church. And for, for people who leave the church, and maybe you're watching, maybe this is you on video, and you say, eventually what, what, what happens is a thought that runs into you and says, okay, I've been hurt here. So what I need to do is leave the church. But I want you to hear this. The way you leave is the way you enter as well. That hurt is still part of you. The way you leave is the way you enter and you go to another church, but you still have the same heart and you still have the same hurt. And you might think, Oh, this church is so much better. Well, the reason why it's so much better is because nobody knows you and no one is calling you out on anything. So nobody is, nobody is holding you accountable of course, nobody knows you. And of course, it's, it's seemingly better. Don't use people as an excuse to walk away from God or his church. Don't use people as an excuse. Some people, they just need an excuse. You know what I'm talking about? There are some people that aren't attending church right now because they're using COVID as an excuse, some people. Truth is, they just don't wanna go to church. And they might be telling their spouse, I just don't wanna go to church because of this and this and this and this. But they're not even watching online, nothing. And they're using an excuse. Some people just want an excuse sometimes. Let me just say this. Sometimes, I'm gonna be really honest, sometimes you need to look at yourself. Sometimes you are the one that's causing hurt. Just be honest. Look at yourself. Sometimes you are the one who's cutting people with your words. Sometimes you're the one hurting people. And truth is, there are some people in the church that just enjoy being abrasive. It's a game for them. They just enjoy it. And if that's you, I want you to know you're hurting people. And souls are at stake. And you don't know what struggles that other person is going through. About significance. About being loved. About wanting to be a part of something greater. About, you don't know. So don't hurt what God is doing. You hear that? Don't hurt what God is doing. Don't be an obstacle for God's purpose. I want to share with you 10 life applications, okay? We're going to put these on the screen so you can take a picture, whatever you want. But here's when when you've been hurt by a friend in the church, someone, your companion, whatever it is, your (laughs) homie, whatever, your type, or if you've been hurt at a church, here's 10 things I want to share with you. Number one is cry out to God. That's what David did. Cry out to God. You go to God first. And you say, God, I need you to help me understand this situation. I need you to help me understand what's happening, God. Cry out to God with with a sincere heart. God, search me. Do whatever you want inside of me. Cry out to to me. Here's number two. Don't let a negative church experience cause you to drift from God. You got to remember... Church is a hospital, right? It's full of imperfect people. It's still the bride of Christ. Flaws and all. It's still the bride of Christ. Jesus loves the church. Don't let let a negative church experience say, you know what? I'm not going to go to church ever again, or I'm not going to ever serve again, or I'm not going to, whatever it is. Don't let a negative church experience. There are times when it's a legitimate negative experience. I get it, but don't let it, let you drift from God or people And number three is this choose to love choose to love choose to love you got to look past the words sometimes look past the words Jesus said your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples that's growth it's like you said that to me you said I was fat but I'll still pray for you you know what I mean You said that about me. You you humiliated me in public at McDonald's. And you humiliated me in front of that other pastor. I still love you. Today, I have a great relationship with that pastor. We're still tight. But I can call him tonight. We have great respect for uh, each other's ministries. Here's this. Number four, extend grace to your spiritual leaders. I'm going to, tell you a secret. Many times, as pastors, we know things about the situation. And we're trying to protect, protect confidentiality. We're trying to lift up the other people. So sometimes we don't share everything just because we don't want to air out everyone's laundry, dirty laundry, so to speak. Does that make sense? We're just trying to maintain or handle it with integrity. So sometimes you just don't know the whole story. Sometimes Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews says, obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. Their work is to watch over your souls. Hello. And they are accountable to God. Anybody want my position? Give them reason to do this with what church? With, one more time, with what? Not with what? That would certainly not be for your benefit. You want your child to be a a place of joy raising them, right? Number five, meet with a pastor and communicate in a respectful and loving way. When you've been hurt at a church, go to the pastor and say, Hey, I had this experience. Can you help me with this? But do it with love and respect. The way you carry yourself matters. Sometimes the leadership's just not aware. Sometimes, a lot of times when I hear that people have been hurt, it really is a surprise to me. I'm, I, I legitimately am surprised many times. And number six, don't judge all churches by one church. Don't do that. Number seven is resist the urge to speak negatively about the church or the person. Don't go to another church and talk about that old church you left. Or don't talk to this leader about that other leader that you just, you know why Jesus said the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart and these defile them. So you don't want to sin with your words. God sees everything and he's a God of justice. So you don't want to speak negatively. I'm even careful about speaking about a pastor from 30 years ago or 40 years ago, whatever. I'm not going to do that because I know God is listening and I want to lift others up and I have issues too. Number eight is this, don't wait to be hurt again. You know what I'm talking about? It's like you enter a church and you were hurt at an old church and you're just waiting to be hurt again. It's like you're just waiting and anything that smells like that old church or any triggers, anything that resembles or anybody who treats you just a little bit like that old and you remember it and you're like, oh, they're going to do that again to me. Here it comes. And there's people who walk away, with, walk, walk around with an expectation. Well, I want you to know other people are clueless and it's unfair. It's just unfair. Number nine, this is so important. Forgive. You got to forgive. That's the step to healing. You got to forgive. Forgive others just as God and Christ forgave you. And number 10, let God heal you. Let God heal you. Psalm chapter 147 says, He heals the brokenhearted and bandages their wounds. Glory to God. Glory to God. Everybody in this together? We love each other. We watch our words. We do our best. We grow together in Christ. And when someone hurts you, you go to them and you say, hey, what you said was hurtful. I know that's hard because confrontation is hard for some of us, but there's growth and healing when that happens. It's a beautiful thing. Same thing in a friendship. You talk to your friends when they say words to you that hurt you. You don't shut down. You talk to them. And in the church, it's the bride of Christ, David. He knew what it was like to be hurt. And he cried out to God because we have a God who loves all of us. God's a redemptive God. He's a God who wants everyone to come to know his love and grace and purpose. That's who he is. That's his heart. He's the God who of the prodigal. He's the God of the adulterer. He's the God of the prostitute. He's the God of the one who's an addictive. Whatever it is, that's who he is. That's his heart. And he wants everyone to turn to him and know him. Well, God, thank you for your grace. Thank you for, thank you for your presence here, Lord. And we just tumble ourselves before you. Would you continue to have your way? And if you're ready right now, and you'd like to, first of all, maybe ask Jesus into your heart and become a Christian, um, would you say this prayer? Say, Jesus, come into my heart. I want to turn to you with all of my heart, and I ask you for forgiveness of my sins. Right now, I choose to become a Christian. I want to walk with you. Or maybe you're here, and maybe you've been hurt, and maybe you need to say, God, first of all, I ask you to forgive me. I haven't handled this in the best way. I don't want to let that hurt live within me. I don't want to let that hurt rob me from the experiences or your purpose for my life today. So I ask for healing right now. And I want to pray for that person who hurt me. Would you pray for them? God, would you move in their hearts? Would you speak to them, God? Would you... um, heal them from whatever it is that caused them to say that or do that God we recognize this church belongs to you Jesus you are head of the church may we here at Thorn Creek continue to grow together in love and in unity may you Jesus be glorified I pray for your transforming work the work of your spirit to continue to transform every heart I pray for healing where healing needs to happen God thank you Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your word. Thank you for Psalm chapter 55. It's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.